All right, let's get started this morning by praying together. Um, let's see, Psalm 15, which is on page 787 in your hymnal. I will pray this responsively, Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. Who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue. Who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man. Who keeps his oath even when it hurts. And does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we give you thanks um, for the way in which um, you call us indeed to holiness and purity of life. We thank you for um, the ways in which you forgive our sins and all the ways in which we fall short of this through the death and resurrection of your Son, through his spilled blood for us, through his um, eternal intercession for us at your right hand now. Um, but we pray, Father, that by your Spirit that you would um, call us onward um, for, for and to a holy life, um, a life that is set apart um, for godliness. And we ask that you be merciful to us in that way and that you bless us even this morning as we um, talk about these things. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, it's good to see all of you today. Um, we are coming near to the end of our series on uh, the human sexuality, um, um, depending on whether we cover today's material in uh, one Sunday or two. Um, I think there's just one more week after uh, we dispose of the topic of pornography, um, and then we'll move on to something else. And the 7th and 12th graders will be returning to their own uh, class, um, and so that'll be great for them too. Um, so just to kind of put that before you, um, this morning I want to take a step out of the Human Sexuality Report explicitly and address a topic that I think we would be remiss to not discuss um, if we're going to talk about sexuality and holiness and purity, um, and that is the topic of pornography. Um, and and I, I want to do this, I mean, obviously the Human Sexuality Report is, um, has particular concerns and objectives in it, and so they didn't address this topic explicitly, but, um, but I think the principles that are there are appropriate and, and help. Um, and, and this is something that we, we need to, to talk about it, and, and I know that it you know, potentially could feel awkward or embarrassing for us to talk about pornography, um, but I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary for us to talk about um, real sin that exists um, in the world and even in our lives. Um, things that we need to put off. If we don't look at it in the face to some degree, um, we won't know what to do with it. We won't be able to master it and take dominion over it and have victory in Christ. And so that's, that's my desire today is just to put this topic on the table and, and for this to be kind of a model for you all as you think about um, how you talk about sexual issues even in your families. Um, this is certainly a topic that I would encourage um, parents to be discussing with their children um, uh, fathers with sons in particular. This is something that the Lord calls you to, to talk about with your sons and to train um, them in. Um, and just generally, I want our church to be a place where we can talk about things like pornography, um, the, the, the sin that exists, um, that we might uh, repent of it and um, be made holy um, in Christ. And, and also that um, those who um, are, are in the midst of this sin might not only repent, but also know the grace and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus. Um, the gospel um, is for um, sexual sin, um, and the gospel is for um, those who engage in pornography, um, which is thanks be to God, right? Good news um, in that regard. Um, so I'm just going to walk through material on the sheet, and we can talk about things if you all have questions or if there are places um, to discuss. Um, so I just, I tried to find online just a definition of pornography. I don't know that this is like the best definition, but it's, it's a fine one. Um, so just so we know what we're talking about, um, pornography the, is the representation in books, magazines, photographs, films, and other media of scenes of sexual behavior that are erotic or lewd 
and designed to arouse sexual interest. Um, and we might just add not only sexual behavior, but just the human body um, portrayed. Um, pornography doesn't have to be two people. Um, it can be just one. Um, um, and so the body portrayed in a way that's meant to elicit sexual arousal, a response, that kind of thing, um, is what we're talking about here. And, and as they point out, that can take place in a variety of different uh, mediums, um, particularly in our culture today. And, I, and this is one of the reasons why we have to talk about pornography today. Um, it is the ubiquity and the ease of access that exists to pornography in our culture, to this kind of thing, um, films or videos um, particularly, or pictures um, of, of sexual behavior, is available to the human race in a way that it never has been before um, in terms of access. And that's something to really wrestle with and think about, and, and we just need to be conscious of that, that we're, um, this, is, this is the shift that we're in culturally. Um, the internet certainly has done uh, wonderful things um, for humanity in different ways, um, but um, this is absolutely one of the downsides of the internet is how um, easy it is now to access um, sexually explicit material. And this is a change that has happened at least in my own lifetime. I was born in 1980. And um, my first exposure to sexually explicit-ish, at least, material was um, when I was a, a, a teenager, um, probably 13 or 14 years old, and somebody, one of my friends, had a copy of a uh, swimsuit edition from Sports Illustrated, right? Um, and, you know, and it was just sort of this, like, I, I was um, um, fortunate enough, I'm blessed enough to grow up in a house where my dad did not have a stash of, you know, playboys or whatever under the bed. Um, so I never encountered it in my home. Um, but, but looking back on that experience, it's almost um, quaint, you know, to think that that was, that was the way that I was first exposed to sexually explicit material um, compared to the experience now um, for many young people, um, which is in a, in a far different medium often, and um, often in an earlier age. And that's because of um, um, the way in which the internet has made the, 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 the distribution, particularly, um, of pornographic material so easy. Um, and, and so it's, it's everywhere, and it's very, very easy to access. Um, um, literally in 30 seconds, probably all of us um, have a device that could access pornographic material. Um, and, and that's just, we just haven't had that before as a human race, right? That just hasn't existed, um, that kind of access to sexually explicit material um, is a totally new situation. And, um, and I think it's fair to say that thus far um, in this uh, age, um, internet age, we're not doing very well with that um, freedom or that um, access that is now available to us. Um, and it, it's worth pointing out that, that the reason that pornography exists um, and is so easily accessed and available to us today is money right? Um, people don't, you know, aren't producing images um, of sexually explicit material, making them available on the internet um, for any reason other than um, financial gain, right? That's, that's, and we didn't really have to think about that. that, that we're going to talk more about this sort of the, the web of exploitive um, realities that exist within the distribution of pornographic material and the way that it's um, um, distributed um, to those in the world. But it, fundamentally, this is, about, this is about money. People who make money off of pornography um, and want you to access it so that um, you will to continue to, you know, to, to line their pocketbooks. Um, and that's true not only if you, you know, obviously you can explicitly pay for pornographic material on the internet, um, but it's also true in terms of your clicks, right? We all know this, that our presence on a website um, generates revenue for that website, whatever that website is, um, through advertising. Um, and so this is, so it's, it's not just sufficient to say, well, I don't participate in the financial transactions that happen around pornography if, if I don't, as long as I don't, you know, put something on my credit card. Well, no, you're, you're supporting um, an industry um, that exists and wouldn't exist in the way that it does if it weren't financially lucrative for, that, for it to, to be there. Um, that's, that's fundamentally the reason um, um, that people produce pornographic, pornographic material and, um, and distribute it. And to be clear, the people who are getting wealthy off of this are not um, primarily the people who are being depicted in 
and the scenes, the pornographic scenes, right? It's people behind the scenes, people behind the camera, uh, people who are putting the whole thing together. Um, they're the ones who are getting wealthy off of it. And it's also worth putting out that um, because pornography in our world today, in our nation today, is a, is a legal um, industry, um, the federal government also is um, getting wealthy off of pornographic material, um, which is something to think about in terms of, we're going to talk a little bit later about, you know, this is really something that should not be permitted in our country, I believe. Um, there should be legal um, measures against uh, pornography. Um, but I think one of the, the great barriers to that, where the federal government is involved, is that to some extent, this has become a huge industry in our nation, quote unquote industry. And um, like any other industry, it produces tax revenue um, for the government. And so there's a, a financial disincentive um, for them to, um, to make it illegal. Does that make sense? All right, um, and I would say also the ease with which pornography can be accessed means um, in our culture today that it um, is, has great potential to be engaged in both regularly and secretly. Um, um, there are a million ways, right, with technology to cover your tracks. Um, um, maybe not, you know, I'm sure some of you who are know more about how all that stuff works in terms of technology know that you can't really cover any of your tracks, but cover your tracks for most people at least. Um, you can cover your tracks, um, you can delete your history, you can whatever you need to do. Um, and, and so you, you can access it privately, secretly, regularly, and it's just this thing that exists. Um, and, and so that's part of the danger too, right? It used to be that if you wanted to access pornographic material, you had to go to a store um, and you had to risk someone seeing you um, or you had to get it in some other way um, that involves some kind of personal encounter. Um, but that's no longer the case. Um, pornography can get accessed, um, at least apparently, anonymously um, and secretly. Um, and so that, that just creates the potential for it to be used, um, you know, just exponentially today. But, you know, this is, the, this is the hand we're dealt, right, in terms of this cultural moment. And so it's no good to wish it weren't, weren't so. Um, it's, we have to deal with the situation that we find ourselves in. And so that, that, those are some of the reasons why I want to talk about it today. So I just want to talk about, just from a baseline, is viewing pornography sinful? Um, and I, I think that's a, a relevant question. Um, the ubiquity and access of pornography, the, the, the frequency with which it's used in our culture, is increasingly raising this issue to the point where people wonder, well, is it sinful, right? Uh, maybe it's just, maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you can read all sorts of articles, um, even in the mainstream press and media, about how pornography is now viewed as, you know, um, particularly by young people, this is how sex ed works, right? And this is how you learn about sex, as you watch pornography. Um, or you hear about um, couples who give one another freedom to watch pornography, um, because it, you know, it sort of, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why. I'm not gonna speculate why, but, but that certainly happens. Um, in marriages, um, where explicit permission is given to uh, the other spouse to, to view pornography, or you even have married couples viewing it together, um, or couples who are sexually active with each other. It just, it's just become ubiquitous. It's just, it's like, well, what's the big deal, right? And that's, that's the response increasingly in our culture is, uh, what's the big deal? Um, so we're going to talk about that because it would be, I think, naive for us to think that that kind of attitude doesn't influence the church doesn't influence um, those who are, um, are particularly those who are growing up in the church, right? Who are growing up in this new age of pornographic material being everywhere. Um, it's important for us to say and think about why it is sinful. Um, I think the fundamental, I mean, and the argument why it wouldn't be sinful, right, is that I'm not actually having sex with anyone. Um, I'm just watching something. Um, I'm just, it's, it's detached from me. Um, but of course, our Lord Jesus um, covers this. Um, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, and, and here the but doesn't mean I'm, Jesus isn't taking issue with the seventh commandment, right? He's expanding it. He's saying this is actually the heart of the commandment. Um, it goes beyond um, just simply um, sexual intercourse with someone to whom you're not married. Um, the seventh commandment is about far more than that. He says, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he shows how seriously he takes this 
sin, that he really means this. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, um, in context, to sin in this way, to sin by lusting after another uh, human being in a sexual way, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And fundamentally, that's why we need to talk about pornography, um, because um, it, like any other sin, um, if it is not repented of and dealt with, um, can lead us to hell. Um, we're talking about our souls here. Um, and that's, that's something that we really, you know, we, we need to take seriously with pornography, with, because Jesus takes it seriously. Jesus takes lust this seriously, right? Um, that it is a sin that can lead to hell um, if it is not repented of um, and forgiven um, by God. Um, so viewing pornography is, according to Jesus, to commit adultery, full stop, right? Now, I'm not saying that no, there is a gradation of sins, um, and por viewing pornography is not necessarily as heinous a sin as actually committing adultery in the flesh um, with someone. Um, but it is, on a baseline level, adulterous. It is in a, in a, a way of committing adultery, and thus it is sinful, um, full stop. Um, obviously, it's impossible to view pornographic material without lust being a part of the equation. That's the whole point, um, is, uh, is to lust, um, is to desire um, with sinful intention someone else sexually to whom you're not married. And so pornography is sinful regardless of marital status. Um, it doesn't matter if you're single, it doesn't matter if you're married, it doesn't matter if your spouse is giving you permission, um, quote-unquote permission. Um, it, it's sinful, full stop, um, because of the words of Jesus and the teaching of the scriptures. Um, this fundamental reality does not change based on the acceptance of viewing pornography in our culture or even um, what may exist in someone's particular situation. Um, um, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, your dad when you were a kid told you, hey, it's not, it's not a big deal. You know, this is a way to control your sexual urges or something. Um, doesn't matter. Um, what matters is what the Lord Jesus teaches on this topic. Um, and he teaches that it is, it is always sinful um, and that it is a dangerous sin. Um, and that's something that we really need to take seriously. And I want to just think of, for a few minutes about um, how, um, well, let me, let me stop there and see if there's any thoughts or questions before we talk about particularly different ways that it's sinful. Yes, ma'am. Okay, that's fine. Just because of all the downstream or upstream, I don't know, you know, just because of how many people are involved and then, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, you could certainly make that argument, Donna. Um, what I'm trying to do justice to is the, the way in which our confession or our standards talk about the heinousness of sin, that some sins are more heinous than others. And I would say, and we may just disagree on this, that that going and, and, and having um, sexual intercourse with a prostitute or with um, someone outside of your marriage um, is a more heinous sin than viewing pornography because, uh, because of the nature of the one flesh union that happens in sex, in physical sex. But I, I mean, I'm not going to stand here and make a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, I understand, don't, I, I want us to take pornography seriously. So I'm, I think we're on the same page in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not trying to minimize in any way the sin of pornography. I, I appreciate that feedback. Anything else? Any other th anything anybody want to say real quick? Yeah, Eric. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, prior to the, the development of photography in the 19th century, um, the only depictions of sex that were available <coughs> to people would have been, you know, not a, weren't, weren't photographs, right? They were drawings in some way, right? And so in that sense, they were cartoons. Um, and, and so I certainly think that it's, you know, if we, if we merely restrict pornography to the viewing an image of a particular person, um, or a film of a particular person, 
then I think we've fallen short. Now, again, I think that gradation of heinousness of sin, I think it is more heinous to, to view a living person than to, you know, I know there are sexually explicit cartoons and all of those kinds of drawings or whatever. Um, but I would say that it's still, the, the intention there is it's lustful action, right? It's the lust of the heart. And um, I think we can easily say that's still sinful um, and destructive for you. Yeah, absolutely. This can happen. This is going to happen in books. Um, um, it can happen, and, and certainly, um, you know, there are. There's a whole industry, right, called the romance novel. Um, that um, not, not. I'm sure not all romance novels are this way, but a lot of them. My impression is, at least, are um, very s- graphically sexually explicit. And yeah, that that would I would say is also um, sinful um, to to read those books and to engage in that kind of. That's doing something for you. That's creating lust, even if it's not toward a particular, you know, maybe specific living person. Um, but it's still, I think it's still a violation of the seventh commandment, certainly. Yes. Recording. Yeah. No, those are good questions. Those are good questions, Eric. And we're, I mean, you know, it's probably in the next 10 to 20 years, you're going to have robots that will have sexual capacities. I mean, you know, they already have them. I'm sure they do. Um, So these are not just hypothetical questions. They're things we have to wrestle with. And we do have to say that, yes, even I mean, it's crazy these words have to come out of my mouth, but even sex with robots um, is sinful. Um, We we may not do that in the church, um, just in case that needs to be said out loud. Um, But, I I mean, I'm kind of laughing at it, but I'm sure, you know, like, it's really going to be a thing that people struggle with. Um, And again, why would people make robots that have capacity to have some kind of sexual interaction with human beings? It's money, right? It's about money. It's all, all of this. This is about people who want to profit off of human sexual um, proclivities. All right. So viewing pornography is fundamentally a sin against God. I mean, one place to think about this is in 1 Corinthians um, 6, um, where Paul talks about you being a temple of the living God. And, um, you know, if you join yourself to a prostitute, it defiles or corrupts um, the the way in which you are a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. I think we can extrapolate that out to um, other kinds of lustful um, um, deeds and intentions. Um, so there, there is a very real sense in which pornography is fundamentally a sin against God. And this is you know, the language of David when he was caught into um, the, his sin with Bathsheba and, and against Uriah the Hittite. Um, he acknowledges in Psalm 51 that his sin is fundamentally against God, against you only, he says to God, have I sinned in Psalm 51. And that's something we really have to wrestle with, that, that pornography, and, and this is part of what covers all of those other scenarios like Eric was talking about, um, um, where there's maybe not a living person who's being depicted. Um, um, it's a sin against God, first and foremost, and that's, God, the Lord, calls us to purity and holiness, and um, in that, for that reason, it, it needs to be put off. Um, we could also talk about how viewing pornography is, in a sense, a sin against our own selves. I mean, I don't want to push that language too far, but, but it certainly it, it, it corrupts us, like all sin does. All sin corrupts us um, and damages us, and I think that the, one of the points Paul's making there in 1 Corinthians is that sexual sin damages you in a particular way. It corrupts you in a particular way, and that's why it must, um, in, including this, that it's grievous to God, we have to put it off. Um, so viewing pornography, without a doubt, ha- will harm our own capacity for sexual intimacy in marriage as God intended it. Um, I don't, we don't need to go into length here, but just simply to say, if you um, are viewing pornography, that is going to shape you in terms of what your expectations are around sex. It's going to shape you in terms of your capacity for the, for the realness of what sex actually is um, in life, 
right, with your spouse, um, which is wonderful, but also not uncomplicated. And, um, you know, has, it's just not a, it's not a movie, right? It's, it's real life, and it's obviously far, far better uh, for that purpose. Um, but, but pornography um, just deforms you in all sorts of ways in terms of your own capacity um, to be sexually holy, whether that means um, living in sexual intimacy with your spouse or it means living a chaste life as an unmarried person. Um, pornography just deforms um, who you were made to be in terms of the gift that God intends for you to have in your sexuality. Um, so in, in that sense, it, 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 yeah, it corrupts you in a fundamental way. Um, viewing pornography also, I think, and I've seen this, I've witnessed this um, in my ministry, makes you uniquely vulnerable to a pattern of shame, guilt, and unconfessed and unrepented sin that can put you in the place of leading a double life and destroying your soul. And I think this is true potentially for pornography more frequently than most other, many other sins at least in our culture. Um, partly because of the shame that comes with viewing pornography, right? It, it feels perverse. It feels, you know, instinctively, I think, um, if you do it, that it's, that it's wrong. Um, it, the only way to get past that is to do it a lot, and then maybe you become desensitized to it to some extent. Um, but, but certainly, I think, as particularly if the Spirit is dwelling in us, um, we have a kind of deep conviction and sense of shame that this is a shameful thing that I've done. And it's, to some extent, it's, most, it's meant to feel that way, right? You're not meant to view other people in their nakedness, um, in their vulnerability, and in, in their sexual pleasure. That's not something that you were intended for. And so there is a deep sense of shame um, that initially at first, I mean, certainly a person can become hardened to this and can, you know, and that's part of the danger of pornography too, is that that shame can be lost um, and it can just be engaged in routinely almost. Um, but the point is that it, it can become, it has the capacity to, to be something that just um, becomes this secret pattern in your life that you never talk to anyone about or you never really repent of um, because you're just trying to manage it, right? You're just like, well, it's just, it's just porn. It's not, you know, actual quote-unquote sex. Um, and, and so it can become something that, that you can make peace with, essentially. And the sin that you make peace with in your life is the most dangerous sin, right? Whatever that sin might be. Um, but I think there are ways in which pornography has the capacity to become that kind of sin for people um, in a way that not all sins do, um, and part of this, again, is just the way that it can be engaged in secretly. Um, you can present a kind of exterior to the world um, and then behind closed doors um, on your own time, um, you can be viewing pornography and, and even those closest to you may not be aware of that fully, right? You can, you can do this, you can hide it. Um, and that, that's, that's such a dangerous thing about this sin and it, it, it it will destroy your soul if you continue in that, be, that pattern. I just want to say that clearly. Um, it will. Um, that's how sin works. That's what, um, you know, Satan wants you to believe that you can sort of maintain this side thing um, while also living a pious and outwardly holy life. Um, and it just won't work. Um, that's not how any sin works. Um, viewing pornography also corrupts us, um, our own sexual capacity, health, and holiness, because viewing pornography desensitizes us to evil and increases our tolerance for perversion and sexual violence. Um, I'm not going to go into details about this at all, but it's fair to say that pornography um, is a v can be and usually is a very dark place. Um, and there are every kind of sexual perversion that exists um, for humanity, um, you can find that kind of pornography, right? Um, and just to be frank, a lot of pornography has, has to do with violence against women. Um, and it's horrifying, right? Um, and the reality is that viewing pornography that even begins to trend in that direction um, desensitizes you um, to violence against women. Um, it makes you more capable of enacting the things that you view um, yourself. And, and this is something that is 
you know, not only true on an individual level, but also on a cultural level. And it's, a, it's, it's horrible um, the way in which pornography is um, training, particularly young men, to think about women um, in terms of just being merely sort of, you know, there for their sexual pleasure and, you know, for their power dominance and all these kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's horrifying. Um, and, and we really need to just think about that, that, that what we believe about what is good and true um, is shaped by the things that we engage in, the practices that we, that, we, um, that we embrace. And pornography has a unique, I think, capacity um, to increase our tolerance for both perversion and sexual violence. And, and that's dangerous. That's not good for our souls, to say the least. Um, viewing pornography if married is a sin against our spouse and our children. Um, hopefully this doesn't need a lot of explanation. Um, um, it is, as we've talked about, adulterous, and therefore it is more heinous, I think, to view pornography if you're a married person um, because you have that covenant bond that you've explicitly made with your spouse um, to be faithful. Um, and, and, so, and I have seen um, marriages and and uh, deeply, deeply harmed um, by the viewing of pornography by one spouse or the other. Um, it is, and that's because it is an adulterous act. It is a violation of the marriage covenant. And, um, and spouses who are offended in that way are right to be um, damaged and hurt um, and to feel betrayed because they are being betrayed um, by those actions. It doesn't mean there can't be reconciliation and healing and forgiveness and all of those things you know, um, no one could stay married if there weren't the capacity for healing and forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, but we need to take it very seriously. It is very much, if you are a married person, a sin against your spouse. And it's also a sin against your children. Um, uh, these kinds of um, cycles of, of sexual sin often have generational kind of implications, right? Um, if you are a father who is regularly viewing pornography is living with this in your life, um, you are not going to be able to engage your children um, in any way, your sons particularly, in terms of calling them to sexual holiness or walking with them um, in this sin. One, because, you know, even your, your capacity for that level of hypocrisy may not exist, right? Um, so you may just not talk about it with your son. Um, but it will, your actions, your behavior will have an effect on them in a deep way, um, and in that sense, you—if you're—if you're a father or a mother, you're called to pursue sexual holiness not only for the sake of your spouse, but also for your children, um, because how you handle these things will deeply impact um, they, them and how they they steward their own sexual holiness. And um, that, yeah, that's just a fundamental thing to think about and be aware of. It's also a sin against our children. I want to take a few minutes now, though, and talk more broadly about how pornography is, is not, I think often in the church, um, we think about sin generally this way, just as kind of an individual thing against God or against, you know, maybe our spouse or whatever. But um, pornography and, and many sin, much sin works like this, but certainly pornography is, 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 a, is to be engaged in a broad nexus of sins that impact people, um, even those you've never met. It's to engage in a web of something. Um, viewing pornography is a sin also against the person being filmed, photographed, etc. Um, and, and this is, I think, a really key thing to wrestle with um, when you think about pornography, um, is that there's a person involved, right? A, a real human being is involved in this whole thing. And, and God loves that person. God cares about their dignity and their worth and their holiness. And for you to view them in their nakedness or in their whatever the sexual thing is that they're ha is happening to them or that they're, they're doing um, is an act of abuse on your part against them. Um, it is destroying them. You're, per you're participating in their destruction um, because I guarantee you um, no one can participate in these kinds of activities and be filmed or photographed um, and not be destroyed, right? That, that is going to destroy people. It is destroying people. Um, and to, 
to be a consumer of pornography is to participate in the destruction of other human beings. That's really something deeply to think about. Um, we have a responsibility, just fundamentally, to not uncover the shame or look on the nakedness of others. We don't have time to do this, but this is actually a, a pretty interesting theme in the Old Testament. Um, um, you remember the, the sin of Ham after um, the flood when Noah is lying naked in his tent and Ham comes in and looks on his nakedness and tells his brothers to come and look as well. That's a heinous sin that, that Ham commits there, and, and there's judgment that comes after it. Um, and then there's in the law um, other you know, discussion about not uncovering the nakedness of such and such person. Um, there's this idea that, that there, there, there's meant to be a kind of, um, particularly, I mean, and, and it's a contrast, right, um, to Genesis 2, where Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. They looked on one another's nakedness, and there was no problem. Um, but in the world in which they live, and, and after the fall, um, we're meant to have clothes on with each other, unless we're, you know, spouses. Um, and we're meant to respect that kind of boundary that clothing provides, um, that kind of guards us and, and serves as a boundary for our heart and our eyes. And so merely to uncover the shame or look on the nakedness of another person is, is a sin, that you, if, you, if you engage in that behavior, um, it's sinful against that person. Um, it is a participation in some way of their, um, in their humiliation, essentially. Um, the Westminster a Larger Catechism says the duties required in the Seventh Commandment are, among other things, the preservation of chastity, both in ourselves and in others, right? So we're, we're called to preserve the chastity not only of ourselves, but also of our neighbor. And your neighbor includes whoever might be on the Internet. Um, fundamentally, I would argue that this is true. The next point I have there on a point B, pornography is filmed prostitution or photographed prostitution. Um, in both cases, you have um, someone who is um, um, profiting off the sale, right, of in prostitution explicitly off the sexual act or in pornography off the viewing of the act. You have a person who is being sold, right, who's the one who's performing the sex act or a, in the context of prostitution or the one who is being filmed performing the sex act in um, pornography. And you have a buyer, right? Um, you have a buyer in both of those scenarios. Um, this is how the whole thing works, right? It's all based off of money. And if you engage in viewing pornography, um, essentially what you're doing is, is engaging in a kind of virtual form of prostitution. That, that's what it is. Um, it's important for us to really Think about that. To view pornography is to participate in a massive economy and network of prostitution, i.e. the exchange of sexual acts for money in our present age. Um, and again, this is why it exists. No one, um, you know, or heart, I don't, well, I don't think anyone really, unless they're deeply deceived. Um, people get drawn into this being filmed and photographed in this way for all sorts of reasons. Um, but even if somehow they think, oh, this is a good idea for my life, um, you're, still, you're still participating in it yourselves, right? You're, you're still encouraging that kind of destructive lie, um, that this kind of behavior is not harming them. But it's worth pointing out that many, many, many people who are being photographed or filmed in sexual ways um, so that people can make money off of it um, the reasons why they're in that can range from being explicitly coerced, right, and s through violence or blackmail or other kinds of things, um, to just simply being so trapped by their economic situation or their sense of um, their choices that they, this is all they can imagine for themselves, right? Um, and it's, it's terrifying to think about that. But that's the underside, the underbelly of pornography is that, um, that this really is, you're, you're, the connection between pornography and sex trafficking, right, is, is very close. Um, there's a very close connection between those things. And, um, and, and this just speaks to the wickedness of the human heart. Um, fundamentally, human beings um, who are fallen don't care about other people as long as they can make money off of it. Right? They don't care about their, their well-being, whatever. 
Um, and this, this is how pornography works. It's, it's fundamentally based around power and money. Um, and, and to view pornography is to participate in that system that is leading to the destruction of human beings. Um, I say here, it is to perpetuate and participate in the abuse of men, and we should say, particularly women, right? Women far more often than men are the ones being photographed or filmed. Um, created in the image of God, who are being destroyed by the activities they are participating in, notwithstanding the fact that many of them are not really willing participants at all. Right? Many of them are being coerced or have been betrayed. Or, and you can imagine how this works, right? I mean, and ju just think about this. As a, in the Internet age, what does it do to someone not only to be filmed in that moment or photographed in that moment, but then to have that photograph or film online? And we know how this works, right? Once something is online, it never gets offline, really. It's always there. This is something that then marks your life, right? Um, and once you go down the road, you can imagine how difficult it is to come out of it, right? How to leave that. Um, because they're always, probably even beyond your capacity to do anything about it, going to be images or videos of you on the internet um, in ways that are deeply shaming and humiliating. And that's, we just need to think about that, right? If, if we participate in this in any way, we're, we're supporting this kind of thing existing in our world. And we don't want that to exist in our world. Um, to view pornography, simply put, is to participate in the degradation, the humiliation, and even the violent abuse of men, and particularly women. Um, and again, particularly as women who experience these things, um, who are degraded, who are humiliated, and are even violently abused um, through this whole system. Um, let me keep going because I want to cover these things and we'll talk for a minute if there are questions. Um, well, I'll, you know what, I'll just, let's, let's see if there, is there anything anybody wants to say before I, yes ma'am, Kathina. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I'll just say, fathers, if you are not talking, and this is true for mothers with daughters too, but particularly for fathers, if you're not talking to your teenage sons about pornography on a regular basis, then, and I'm, I don't mean like daily, but I mean like it should not be an uncommon topic between you, right? Um, if you're not doing that, then you're, you're failing your sons, to be candid. Um, you have to push through the awkwardness. I know it's gonna be awkward to talk about it and ask about it, um, but you gotta push through that. Because if you don't, your boys are just so vulnerable um, to their peers and to um, society in general. And um, you don't wanna put them in that position. Um, you gotta be brave and courageous and talk about it. Yeah, that appreciate that, Katina. What else, any other thoughts? Yeah, agreed. But it's not okay. Agreed. Because I think, I think that that's where young women can get, they get into sort of weird ways. Right. What sex is. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, and what, what being filmed in that. Right. Right. I, I see what you're saying. It's not right. a, yes, yes. <coughs> yeah, so Donna's saying also we need to talk to our daughters and, and make sure they understand that this is, to be filmed in this way is to be abused, fundamentally. Um, and that's right, I think that's right. And that's one of the lies that is told also in the world today. Not only is it no big deal for people to consume pornography, but it's, you know, it's kind of glamorous to be, you know, photographed or filmed in, in these ways. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, that's also a just terrible, terrible, heinous lie. And Obviously, the people who want you to believe that um, hate you and want to destroy you. 
um, for their own benefit. Uh, Jeremy and then James. Yeah, no, that's true. So Jeremy's saying there is increasingly both within the, the world of, um, you know, people who are really engaged in ethics and, and behavior on the Internet, um, but also in the way the Internet works financially and otherwise, but also just more generally in our culture, there's an openness in both in those places to really think about our responsibility to one another and, and, and corporately and the destructive nature of pornographic um, and we'll talk about this more next week. I don't think we're going to have time for today, but I mean, we can do this, right? I mean, is child pornography tolerated in our culture? No, right? It's not. I mean, thanks be to God. Um, it's, you know, you will go to prison, right? The FBI will come to your house um, if you, you draw pornography or own it or whatever, and you'll be arrested. And, you know, if you participate in the sale of it, you'll, I mean, Terrible things will happen to you legally, right? And and it's also this viewed culturally as this, I mean, it's hardly a worse thing to do, right? Um, that you can do socially in our culture. And, and I'm all for that. That's great, right? But why on earth, when a person comes 18, does it become okay to do the exact same thing to them? I mean, what, what are we doing, right? Uh, it doesn't make any logical sense to me, at least. Uh, I, believe me, I'm all for the way we treat child pornography in our culture, it being a terrible, heinous thing. Um, but I just, I can't understand the, why the rules completely change once a person becomes 19 years old or whatever. Um, yes? Then anything is fine. Right. And um, that's not true. <laughs> um, and it's so easily abused. Like you said, like there's coercion, and you can make coercion look like consent. I, it's so that that specific lie doesn't make sense. No, that's right. That, I think that's a great point, James. So, James is saying the, the idea advanced in our culture, as long as you have two consenting adults, who are freely given their consent, nobody's going to be hurt. It's going to be fine. Whatever, whatever happens between them. And that is, it's a pernicious lie. Um, obviously, it's a lie because that doesn't take into account God's law at all in terms of what actually is good or bad for people. But also, um, as James pointed out, you know, consent can mean a million different things. What does that even mean, um, to give consent? Um, and it, people get in all kinds of situations where their, their consent is not true consent. Um, and, and I, it is interesting. I think you are, there is a backlash, like Jeremy's saying, that's, that's, that's happening at some degree in our culture. Um, I mean, you know, you, you read this uh, in some, there, there are some feminists that are becoming more thoughtful about this, I think, um, about the way in which this idea of consent means everything is fine, how that's destroying women in particular. And so you have feminists really 
you know, I'm talking about secular feminists, not, you know, Christians, um, who are um, really reassessing that kind of logic and are even assessing pornography and just in general and its effect on women. Um, and, and I don't think it's, I think you'd be hard pressed to find an honest social researcher today that doesn't look at the effect of pornography on a society and say it's terrible, right? Um, and and that, that's good. I mean, that's common grace, right? That's people really figuring some things out. Now, the question is, what do you do with that? You know, we have to wrestle with that as a church. And as I'm going to try to argue next week, I think we should want pornography to be illegal, just like we want um, abortion to be illegal, just like prostitution is illegal, uh, generally speaking, at least, in, in our country. Um, we should want, we should also want that for, for pornography. Um, that would be a much better world for us to live in. And we should, we should pray for that and work towards that end. Okay, let me, um, let's close today. Um, and um, there's more to talk about here. And, and if you have questions, think about them. I think I'm going to take next week and just talk a little bit more about this topic. Um, obviously, there's a lot. So think about it. If there are particular things you want to ask or, or say, um, we, can, we can talk about those things next week. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks um, for um, your word and for your love for us and for the way in which your spirit um, does call us um, into holiness. It calls us, and the work of holiness, Father, is to talk about sin. And, and even when it's hard or, or difficult, um, Lord, I pray that you would help us, um, even this church, to be a place where we talk honestly about sin and its destructive power. And I pray, Father, um, this morning specifically for those um, both those who have engaged uh, in this room in um, the sin of pornography um, in their lives, um, as well as those who have been harmed um, by um, the sin of pornography um, in this room. And um, I'm sure that probably covers most of us, Father, in different ways. And um, I pray, Lord, that you would be gracious. I pray that you would not, um, even as we talk boldly about the evil of this sin, that we would not lose sight of the hope of the gospel and the, the truth that there is no um, sin so great um, that it cannot be repented of and forgiven. And so I pray for that, Father. I pray um, for us not just to talk about these things, but to really uh, repent of them and to know the forgiveness of Christ, to know the healing that can come, the healing that can come even to marriages that have been damaged um, by the use of pornography. Um, Father, we need your grace and your help of your spirit um, to live holy and chaste lives, and we desire it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.